0: Fasten your seat belts. It's
1: going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell it. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, "I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore!" Welcome to the David Pollock Show. I'm not gonna
2: take it anymore. Everything is awesome.
3: Everything is cool and- All right, guys, we're live now in a brand new David Pollock show uh, from my home studio. Uh, it looks nice, right? So this is where we're going to do things from now on. We have new visuals. We have a new producer. Ryan Matt is going to kill it for us uh, with all of our audio clips, and uh, we're going to have lots of fun. Um, There's Ryan back there in the blue hat. So (laughs) if there's any hiccups today, uh, it's because I'm learning how to do this from here. It's only going to get better from this point forward. But you have new visuals, uh, a new look. And for those of you listening on the radio, you can still hear me. Uh, But you can't see me. So that's why you need to go over to Rumble, to the David Pollack Show channel. And you could watch me live there. Of course, you can find me on all my social medias and Twitter and uh, YouTube and all these other places. Um, So you can watch me however you'd like. I know my mother watches me on YouTube. So, hey, Ma, I'm pretty sure you're still watching me now. I didn't tell her there was a new time, though, because here on the radio, you guys are hearing me about two hours late because uh, we have to get everything over to the radio so this is the way we're going to do things from now on on The David Pollack Show. You'll get used to it. Don't worry. It's going to be better. You're going to like it more, and it's going to be super exciting. So let me just get right into it. Since, like we always do, since the last time we spoke, uh, um, it was, what, New Year's, Christmas? I, I wasn't here for Christmas for you. I, I was here uh, on New Year's. I gave you a promo of some of my good friends' uh, businesses, and uh, that was fun. We talked a little bit of politics with Beard Vet. And now here we are live. It's New Year. Uh, It's, what, January 8th? Uh, I was skiing in in West Virginia. I didn't tear any uh, ligaments or anything. Had a lot of fun uh, skiing out there. Uh, And and that's what flower radians do. We go up north uh, during the winter rather than go south. So when all of you northerners come down here for our winters, we go up there because we want to see snow. So that's what we do. And, um, you know, it's a good time. So now we're back, and a lot has happened uh, since we last spoke, and let me kind of go through some of these things with you. So, uh, this is going to be cut one. Uh, So, I don't know if you guys have been to the store, um, but seemingly, there's masks again, right? What is the deal? Now, of course, a lot of people are going to be like, yep, it's COVID again. We want to encourage people to vote by mail. I don't think people are going to buy it this time around. Now, if you can see on the Hill, they're talking about a triple demic. They're talking about... uh, all these different respiratory viruses, COVID-19, RSV, the flu. Do you remember before COVID, people just got sick every year. The flu came and went every year. Sometimes we had some fun things like the swine flu or all these other things. Um, Now, of course, they're going to scare you every year just to remind you how fragile, how important the government is uh, to your life. Um, And so, of course, the maskers are out there again. I can't, look, I'm not one of these people who says anything to people wearing a mask. Look, you a mask, wear a mask, it makes you feel safe. But I just can't help but look sometimes at some of these people and be like, what are you doing? Have you learned But whatever. Let them wear a mask. Uh it's all good. Um this can be cut to here. Uh I don't know if you guys saw this. For all the those of you who are flying uh over the holidays, uh there was an Alaska Airlines flight uh where uh this is these you nearly know, these Boeing the I think it was like a max or something is this new Boeing airline is cut to and Uh, apparently they have like a door that you can put, uh, on, on the airplane. And that door is like a dummy door if you don't need it. Anyway, apparently this thing blew off (laughs) in the middle of the flight. Nobody was injured, just minor injuries. Um, but it's the craziest. You gotta go check that out. Um, there, there's a, there's, we can skip that video, I don't care. There's a video on it. people talking about how crazy it was. Um, apparently a boy's shirt got sucked <laughs> right off. You know, if I you already have you a fear of flying, it um, it, it, it's certainly not good when you hear stories about this. The crazy thing is, and everybody was fine, but this Boeing has had these problems with this 737 MAX and, and it just goes along with a, a litany of problems they've been having. There's a Starliner that Boeing put together supposed to be taking astronauts to the space station. Uh that has been delayed. Boeing is having lots of issues here and they keep getting the most lucrative contracts from our government. What do you expect, right? So, this is going to be cut 3 here. Uh there's Golden Globes, you guys might have heard of. I don't care about the Golden Globes, so I'm skipping right past that, but you might have seen this over the weekend. This is interesting. Joe Biden. Did you guys see this? Uh and this can be cut 3. Joe Biden was there. He, here's the video for right now for you guys. For you, those of you on the radio, I'll describe what you're seeing. For those of you on my video feed, Joe Biden gets off the airplane, uh, where's his air, I guess they call it green one, the helicopter, and he's walking around completely confused. I mean, he's looking back at the helicopter, and he's like, where am I supposed to go? At one point, he even goes over to one of the officers there that's sort of there to assist him, and he's like, where do I go? And he's like, over here, and he's guiding him. He's completely lost. Jill is usually the one who stands in here and tries to uh, guide him where he's supposed to be. I mean, this happens over and over again. Look, it is sad to see. This man's running for president again, supposedly. I thought the Gavin Newsom was going to be the nominee. But, I mean, you can start seeing this more and more. And he just gets more and more confused. It's sad. I'm not making fun of the guy. He's an older dude. Uh, he's had a, car- a long career in politics. But the fact that we're pretending that somehow he's fit to lead at this point, um, yeah, that that's, that that's that's troubling to me. So, um, then I don't know if you guys saw this. So, the Iowa caucuses are coming. Actually, for next Monday's show, we're probably going to be talking about the Iowa caucuses a little because that's where the Ron DeSantis people have said that they're basically resting all of the campaign on. It's going to be the Iowa caucus. DeSantis is going to win the Iowa caucus. He had this big uh, event that they kicked Laura Loomer out of because they're afraid of journalists, uh, where they had this thing, never give up. You know, Ron DeSantis went from somebody who blew the, the competition out of the water for the governor's race. And now, uh, he's like, I'm not going to quit. Uh, Iowa caucus is on the 15th. There's this article from the Hill. Um, this is, yeah, cut four. It's supposedly DeSantis is going to drop out after he loses the Iowa caucus. I don't believe he will, by the way. I think him and Nikki Haley have the same game going on. And that game is essentially that, what I'm gonna do is just stick it out and see if they get rid of Trump. Uh, Maybe Nikki Haley's gonna assume that position. Uh, We'll see, we'll see if he actually drops out. We'll talk about it next week on the 15th. And um, uh, let's see what time we're doing. I think we're doing okay. I got a couple more things to go to talk to you about. Obviously January 6th came and went. Um, CNN is on a, really wanna make sure you don't forget about January 6th. The rest of us are ready to move on, but they wanna make sure you remember uh, January 6th. And and we're going to talk about that in a second when I get into the topic of the show. Um, one last thing. I don't know if you saw this. Remember when we got rid of Kevin McCarthy because of these uh, omnibus spending bills that he was doing deals with Democrats? Well, guess what Speaker Johnson just did? And this is going to be, I think what we're calling this, cut six. Uh, this, is because, this is Tom Fitton. I'm not going to play this whole thing, Ryan. Uh, but basically, uh, Johnson's making deals with Democrats again, just like McCarthy did. And if you want to cut six, if you could pull that video up. Uh, I'm Tom
1: Fitton. I'm president of Judicial Watch, America's leading government watchdog organization. Uh, We have a simple request for Congress: do your job. It's not enough to do investigations and reports. We need to stop the government corruption and abuse uh, that is so concerning to the American people. Uh, In this new budget fight, we're basically the old budget fight that's being asked to pretend. Uh, You can talk
3: as long as you want. That dude has huge arms. You can't tell in that shirt, but I'm not going to mess with him because. uh but anyway, so he's out there on the cap- Capitol steps talking about how um, basically now we're getting another CR when you guys thought that replacing the Speaker of the House was going to do something different. Well, I guess we learned that uh, the establishment will do what the establishment does. Yes, we have some January 6th tapes. We don't have all of them, but we're still playing this nonsense where we can't have single subject spending. But this was the biggest deal in the speaker fight. And here we are again. Nothing ever changes. This is what makes people so angry. Speaking of anger. Uh, let's go right into our topic of the show. And uh, it's just, as you guys might have seen in the promos, we're calling it Civil War 2024. And it's not because there's going to be a civil war. There's not. And, and folks, let me, let me be clear on this. There is not going to be a civil war in America. There's not even a threat of a civil war. The original civil war, uh, 1.0, was because states said, I'm leaving the union. And the government said, no, you're not. And there was a war. Uh, No states are leaving the union. Uh, We don't have issues like slavery. Um, There is a lot of political turmoil, what have you. But we're not in a place where literally the country is tearing itself apart. We're not even that divided. As a matter of fact, if you look at polling, more and more people are starting to see that the Democrats have sold them a bill of goods. The people who simply sat out the last election because they might have not liked Trump's mean tweets, they're starting to learn that... um, you know, things were better with Trump. We're not heading towards a civil war. The civil war that the left is talking about is the majority of America versus the tiny establishment, Democrat, Republican, all of the above. This establishment that has decided that they know what's best for us. The establishment that was cheering when Donald Trump was removed from office. The establishment that is, continues to do nothing for you, like close the border. We have a clean CR, supposedly, deals with Democrats and nothing is changing at the border, nothing. Nothing changes in Washington unless we send agents of change to Washington. And that's what Donald Trump does. The civil war is the American people voting for and supporting candidates that will go to Washington DC. Do they want the civil war is between the GOP establishments in your state and the people who actually vote. It's the GOP that sends money to their establishment candidates and keeps good America First candidates from getting on the ballot past primaries. That's the Civil War, but it's not a war of violence. However, I'm not sure if you've seen this, and I'm going to play this trailer for you. This is going to be cut seven. In April, Hollywood has decided they're going to convince you
2: Here's a here's the, uh, trailer the for civil war. the
1: Western forces as well as the Florida Alliance. The three-term
3: president assures the uprising will
1: be dealt with swiftly.
0: Let me know if you want to try anything on.
1: I'm just aware there's like a pretty huge civil war going on all across America. We just
0: try to stay out. With what we see on the news, seems like it's for the best. <laughs>
1: Citizens of America, the so-called Western forces of Texas and California Have suffered a very great defeat at the hands of the United States military
0: Mr. President do you regret the use of airstrikes against American citizens? We're moving to DC today. We need to go down there. They shoot journalists on sight in the Capitol. Every instinct in me says, this is death. What if?
1: Every time I survived the war zone, I thought I was sending a warning
2: home. (sighs) Don't do this. (sighs) But here we are. There's some kind of misunderstanding here. What? Well, you're American, okay?
1: Okay. What kind
2: of American are you? You don't know. <laughs> the Western forces will reach
3: the White House on July. This spring. Oh my
2: God. In, There's off. enough of that. You take this video
3: down. But this is the movie that's coming out in April. Civil War, they're talking about. And this is where you guys need to start paying attention. This is what we're talking about today, and I'm gonna tell you why. If you go to TikTok. And yes, I know we should ban TikTok, but if you go to TikTok, um, you will see there's all these weird uh, videos being made now. If Florida was to secede from the United States, its economy would be, if Texas, there's all these videos suggesting that states are going to secede, or if they did, this is what it would look like. There's all these sort of narratives about about a civil war. Remember, before this, there was those videos about Osama bin Laden not being such a bad guy when the free, free Palestine people are out. By the way, they're still out. I'm just not going to talk about them right now because I don't care but you're starting to see this narrative being created. Now what Hollywood and for, for the longest time, you guys know that the intelligence community has been involved in Hollywood since the 1950s, if not earlier, I'm not saying it's the United States. Somebody has decided that it's a good idea to start planting the seeds of civil war into the minds of, uh, of, of Americans. And why do you think they're doing this? Do you think it's because they want a civil war? No, and I don't think that's it. Like I told you, there's not gonna be a civil war. The reason why they're doing this is because they want you to think that there could be a civil war, just like with the pandemic. 99999999999999 percent of you guys weren't gonna die from COVID, but you wanted to think you sure as hell were, but you weren't going to, but you, at the fear, that's what they use. January 6th, the insurrection. Now, you, you might've seen, they're they're expanding that drag. They're still arresting people about January 6th. People didn't even enter the building. But again, they have to paint this narrative. These white supremacists, these Trump supporters, these insurrectionists are dangerous. And that's where this idea of civil war is coming from. What they're going to do, guys, is make you think, just like they did during Biden's inauguration when they made it seem as if the National Guard, there was some sort of coup attempt Remember, they actually investigated the Pentagon, investigated whether or not Donald Trump was planning a coup attempt with the National Guard. Uh, So the Pentagon had to investigate. Of course, there was nothing there. Um, But they want to make you believe that this is here. And you know what? Then they will use that, of course, to knock on your door. Knock, 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 knock. Hey, I saw you posting on social media that if Trump doesn't win, we should have a civil war. What's going to happen is they're going to use this as a way to limit speech going into the election. And I'm predicting that right now, this movie, the things you're seeing on TikTok, these are the things you start paying attention to early because this narrative is not going away. You're going to see reporters asking questions now about civil war. You'll see. Just giving you a preview. Before I go any further into this topic, um, I want to talk about a quick sponsor. I got to talk about my sponsors. They keep me on the air. So if you like hearing me, we got to give to my sponsors. Who am I going to give love to first? Let me talk about Toppers. Uh, toppers Creamery is one of my first sponsors, long-term sponsors. If you're here in Florida and it's hot in the winter, uh, you want to go get yourself some Toppers ice cream. It's custard-style ice cream. Um, it's out here uh, in Apopka. And this is for my local audience here listening on the radio. You guys, if you haven't had Toppers ice cream, it's on 512 South Hunt Club Road, 4948 48 in Apopka. Um, they get great reviews, guys. 500 plus almost five-star reviews over there. It's a great spot. They got great toppings for ice cream. They even got pup cups for your four-legged friends. Uh, So go check them out. Uh, Go get yourself uh, some ice cream, or some frozen custard over at Toppers. All right, let's get right back into it. Uh, I want to welcome my first guest to the show. I'm very excited uh, for Miss Natalie Winters. Welcome to the show, Natalie.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I can't believe I've never been on your show, but I'm glad we're fixing that today.
3: (laughs) So this this is a Brent now. You got to see me in show prep just for my audience. I'm in my D show. I'm all cleaned up now. Um, the
0: real raw unedited David.
3: The, yeah. The unedited <laughs> David Pollock. So what now what you're getting is uh new David Pollock. So we were in a race Show all of this was done on a little webcam. Now, this is new improved David Pollock show, and I'm so happy to have you here on the new and improved Yay. David Pollock show. Literally, the first first ever guest on the new improved David Pollock show. Wow, yeah, you right?
0: Did it, you did it just for me. That's what I'm yeah, just, for you. Thank you. just for you. you. And you
3: have <laughs> a, a new clothing line, uh, yes, she's so right, yeah, right. And now people might, right. and this is the clothing line right here. And you guys might know Natalie from uh, Bannon's War Room. Uh, she's a co-host over there. She's a, all over social media. She's fighting for the cause of freedom. And now she's fighting for your freedom in fashion. Why don't you tell us a little bit about She's So Right?
0: Exactly. Well, thank you so much for letting me talk about this. But for those of you who are fans of the war room who followed my reporting, feel like I uh, made most of my career talking taking down the Chinese Communist Party and how, of course, they have partnered with the globalists to, of course, take over this country. Um, I got tired when I was shopping of supporting uh, not just companies that were making their products in China, but just the outsourcing model as a whole. Um, So amidst a bad breakup, I got myself together, found validation from something other than and put together this this brand called She's So Right. Um, it's entirely made in the United States. I've been working with the factories myself. Most of them are based here in Los Angeles. Um, our hats are made, actually. Fun fact: by the same company that supplies some of the Trump campaign's hats. But what I think unique about it, and what I really wanted to do with the company, um, was really sort of serve as, as a business model and just in general a company that was USA made, but that you. Didn't have to pay a ridiculous premium because so often, as I'm sure you know, if you want to go the USA-made route, the prices are 10, 20 times as much as you'd pay if you are, of course, buying into that China-made model. So that was the one thing I wanted to counter. And then, no, you're obviously not a a woman, but for your female viewers, I'm sure they all know they have that cute political t-shirt, you know, in their closet that they'd love to wear, but the silhouette that it's on is like a boxy men's t-shirt, kind of like what I saw you in before the show. No, I'm just kidding. Um... But I really wanted to kind of rectify that. In other words, we know there's a difference between men and women. So why are we putting women in men's t-shirts? So all of our silhouettes, our designs are specifically made for women. They're flattering. Uh, you don't lose your figure. They're not super boxy. They all have some trace of pink on them. So they're feminine. So that's sort of the the real kind of thrust behind behind the brand. But I'm very excited to talk about the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, um, and that's what's so cool about this. And I think there is a space for it because I think women want to be more, especially conservative women are becoming more vocal. Uh, They're becoming more involved. Uh, You guys are killing it. I mean, Trump always called women killers and there's a reason for it. It's because you guys, you're just better, better at politics than men. You know how to get to the emotion of the matter. And with this clothing line, I think that um, it's exactly what it does. You're empowering women to be more active in conservative politics, and and that's what I think is so cool. Because now you're creating a clothing line that empowers women and makes them look good at the same time. And then all those uh, liberal women who <laughs> who are jealous of of conservative women are going to be even more jealous now. So good job on that.
0: Thank you. It's been honestly so amazing just to watch us roll out. This is now our our one week anniversary. We opened shop January. First, and I already had to hire someone to help because the demand has been so ridiculous, uh, which has been really cool to be able to, you know, hire Americans and do everything the right way. Um, But no, you're so right. I think for so long, it's not even just the critique of these, you know, woke corporations, you know, doing Pride Month t-shirts and just doing these in-your-face designs. I also think, and I'm sure you would agree, you know, we're in a moment where it's, it's spiritual warfare. Every aspect of society, which we're going to get into, has really yeah. been weaponized, I think, against not just the MAGA movement, but people who think for themselves. Um, so that's what I really am catering to with this brand, you know, the sayings, if you... See, like my shirt says low social credit score, it's misinformation (laughs) with the space in between, so it's M-I-S-S, but it's just sort of, I think, a cheeky, fun, kind of ironic way of just laughing at the regime, which is something that we need to do a lot more of, not get so worked up about it. And honestly, you know, I think for, for lack of a better example, you know, Anthony Fauci's testifying. On the hill today and you know i hope anthony fauci we actually see accountability i think there's grounds to to have criminal charges and prosecution against him in the current ecosystem the two-tier justice system that we inhabit with a the republicans that we have in congress is that going to happen at the present moment no but i don't lose sleep at night because i know that people like anthony fauci are so obsessed with the idea of legacy i'd throw someone like mark milley in there too and just So not just that shows like yours, but shows like War Room, but this brand too, the idea of laughing and talking for justifiable reasons, but ridiculing these so-called experts, right? This elite ruling class, the Harvard educated, uh, you know, brainiacs, we need to laugh at them more. And I think that that's sort of always been my personal philosophy in in all things life. Um, But I just didn't really see any clothing brands that were, were catering to that. And honestly, the backstory of this this ex who maybe I should give equity in the, the company since he apparently- No, 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 no. No, no equity, right? Um, <laughs> but he, um I was wearing a dump him shirt, um the famous Juicy Couture one that Paris Hilton made famous. And I was wearing it because I was mad at him, but it was the same day that all the Kevin McCarthy stuff was happening on the Hill. And I was living in DC at the time. And it was in that moment, because someone looked at me and they are like, oh, you're sure? Is that about Kevin McCarthy? And it really wasn't, but it made me realize like there really is a fun way to blend fashion with politics, but to not do it so offensively or just so cringe. That's a word I use way too much. I've been told by all my friends, but I just, I hate the cringe and we got to, we got to de-cringe conservative politics.
3: Yeah. Well, and, and so let me ask you, and you're right though. We do need to, um, it's not so much you're right, not laugh at things, but not get so emotional. That's what the left yes. is. The left gets angry, and it's not palatable to people. They just seem like they're screaming in the streets. And so you're right, taking a sense, uh, taking it light, but at the same time being effective. And I, I think that's exactly what you're doing. So let me ask you then, because we talked about you saw the clip about civil war, and what what do you feel? Because uh, you know, I know you guys have been talking about a lot of these things that are out there. We talk about January sixth a lot. We talk about what the media narratives are. What do you think? Do you think they're setting us up? To make it seem like there's going to be a civil war do you think there will be a civil war do you think we're so divided what do you think
0: well i loved your framing of it and i think it's sort of the natural extension of frankly the war room my personal rejection of the american political dichotomy which is republicans and democrats i've always thought that that's sort of just a false flag for lack of a better word it's always been the uniparty and everyone else and i think that a civil war in terms of like you know Americans who vote Republican versus Americans who vote Democrat, obviously not going to happen. They want us to believe that narrative because they love division. History would would prove me right on that one. But I I think you are exactly right in that if you contextualize or think of a civil war, the uniparty versus not just the MAGA movement, but people who basically aren't under their control, who don't buy into the narratives, I would honestly go as far to say that they are already waging a civil war, but here is my my more, more nuanced take. You, you know my background is a lot in Chinese Communist Party influence operations, and they you know use unrestricted warfare, which is sort of a 21st century style of, of warfare that isn't kinetic boots on the ground, right? It's not shots being fired or tanks rolling in or storming a capital, per se. Um, it's more subversive ways. Right. It's specifically in the case of the Chinese Communist Party, they have what's called the three warfares doctrine, and that's media warfare, psychological warfare and legal warfare. And I think if you sort of cross apply or translate that paradigm that exists in the Chinese Communist Party kind of realm to what the American ruling class is doing to the American people. I think it's very fair to say that they are waging an unrestricted form of civil warfare on the MAGA movement, the lawfare, we see that, of course, with Trump at the ballot box, we see that with the January 6th prosecutions, media warfare, just turn on a television, you know how they propagate narratives with CNN, even the controlled opposition networks like Fox, I would argue in there too. And the psychological warfare, I think sort of plays into like that trailer you showed and even more broadly, the predictive programming, they know fear is a very valuable tactic. So I would say, we're not in a civil war in the way that they want us to think of that word, the way they want it to note, you know, blue Americans versus red Americans. But I think for a while now, the ruling class has been waging uh, warfare on its own citizens.
3: I, I didn't know you had a background in, in Chinese. What
0: was it? Chinese <laughs> Chinese Communist Party infiltration. I'm real fun at parties. Whenever people yeah. ask me what I do, they ex- everyone's like, oh, are you a Pilates instructor? Yeah. And I say... No, I actually read stories about how the Chinese Communist Party infiltrates the United States and their eyes, like, glaze over. But it's a fun
3: Not in my parties. That would be the coolest thing. I'd be like, oh, thank God, we're not going to talk about nonsense. We're talking about something interesting. So so let me ask you about that, because I, I, I always preface the conspiracy discussions with, um, is it the United States? Is it foreign actors? Because we all agree something funny happened in 2020 um but who was involved was it the united states because they didn't like donald trump or was it foreign actors because trump, trump wasn't good for them either and and the Uniparty party here was like well it works for us so let's just look the other way how much of the stuff that we talked about the civil war stuff and uh you know the, the narratives that are destructive to the country and divisive to the country how much of that do you think is domestically produced or how much of it is foreign actors like china And are they sort of just doing what they want to do? And then the Democrats are just profiting from the division. How much is us? How much is them?
0: I think the craziness, when you talk about collusion between foreign actors and domestic actors, I think honestly, there's probably no better example of that than COVID-19. So I think the craziness really started back in 2019 when you saw, for example, Anthony Fauci funding EcoHealth Alliance, the New York based nonprofit to conduct you know, gain of function type research with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, a known collaborator with the People's Liberation Army, uh, which really begs the question why U.S. taxpayer dollars would be going to fund a Chinese military-run lab. And there was actually a story that just broke a few days ago showing that the lady who ran the Wuhan Institute of Virology's bat coronavirus program, again, tied to the the Chinese Communist Party's military, actually was hosted in 2017 at the headquarters of NIAID, NIAID, the NIH agency that Anthony Fauci led, uh, to talk to researchers and scientists there about the, the work that she was conducting. So anecdotally, I think that shows to how there is some level of of collusion between the United States government and these foreign actors, but I actually ponder that question myself a lot too. Because I, I sometimes I'm also a, a geek. I love the uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act. I'm always looking at their their database and seeing who's registering with it. But sometimes I laugh because the whole narrative that Russia like influenced the 2016 election. Sometimes I think that that was actually really, really, really great PR for Putin because it, it made him seem like Russia was a lot more important than it actually was and could actually like influence the election here in the United States, right? So my point in saying all that, I don't, obviously Russia didn't influence the 2016 election, but I think it's orders of magnitude, right? I'm sure that there were a few Russian troll accounts that posted some anti-Hillary Clinton articles, right? Now. That shows you I've always thought that that narrative is a Freudian slip on the establishment media's part of how dumb they think the American people are, because if they think that someone like, you know, a viewer of yours or a viewer of the war room is going to be dumb enough to have their entire value set and political calculus and compass changed by one troll article on Facebook. They've never talked to a member of the war room posse. These people are very, very, very well educated and and on pace with the news. Um, So when I think you're talking about foreign infiltration, to me, the Chinese Communist Party is, of course, the, the most nefarious actor in that realm. Um. And a lot of my work, as I was saying, had to do with the foreign infiltration. So that had to do with tracking what's called the United Front Work Department. So this is a multi-billion dollar political warfare operation that emanates out of Beijing. It's entirely run and administered by the Chinese Communist Party. They quite literally study how politics is sort of conducted and worked here in the United States um, and how they can best infiltrate. So they create a lot of these kind of proxy organizations known as they all have very euphemistic sounding names, very innocuous, like the China, United exchange foundation the chinese people's association for friendship and foreign contact I was that for a mouthful um if you look who's funding them who's on the board it's all chinese government money uh i should say regime money um but what's really interesting is that they partner with they target they invite for speeches and dinners oftentimes private um leaders in the mainstream media leaders in academia even politicians think tankers, uh, kind of that that ruling class that we've been talking about. So it's a very systemic and systematic program and campaign that the Chinese Communist Party to get these elites captured to then push policies that are advantageous to the Chinese Communist Party. And a lot of people in the current Biden regime have participated in these organizations, in these events with groups like the China United States Exchange Foundation. For example, QCEF was running a program Whereby they would pay for journalists in the American media. I'm talking New York Times, CNN, uh, MSNBC, Associated Press, even Fox. All of them pay to take their journalists on trips to China. They would tour facilities of Huawei. They would meet with PLA commanders. They would get like red carpet, all access, paid visit to the to China, and the documents we obtained through Farah showed that upon return, they were required to provide, quote, favorable coverage about the Chinese Communist Party um, and disseminate positive messages. So when you see stuff like COVID happening in the mainstream media running the natural origins theory, they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. So I think the foreign influence stuff is very, very, very real, but it takes two to tango and our American ruling class, which I'd argue hates America, welcomes them with open arms.
3: You know, there in China is asserting themselves. And gosh, yeah, I feel like I'm sitting through a seminar. Like I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Sorry is, if it's no, so nerdy. Don't <laughs> apologize. This is why people like this show. You come here and you learn something. Something I said I had to do uh, very early um, was, and, and then when I started this radio thing, I, I grew up listening to Rush. And I used to love listening to Rush because would give a pers- perspective you weren't getting anywhere else. So I'd be like, well, what does Rush have to say about it? Because you could turn on any show and hear people yeah. talk about the news. What I always set out to do is give people something to think about when they listen to this show. And everything that you're saying gives people things to think about. So I absolutely love this conversation <laughs> 1,000%. Um, what's very interesting is, you know, China is also requiring things out of Hollywood, too, like the movies. It, and on the, I'm sure you know this, but the listeners might not. If you have a movie that's going to air in China now, like these they have to feature, if, if if a Chinese person is portrayed, they have to be actually, the actor has to be actually Chinese. And so you're seeing a lot of movies with actual Chinese. They're controlling so much. They're really, uh, you know, between sports and between entertainment and what they're doing globally, they really are the biggest threat. And that's what Barack Obama told Donald Trump, is that they were the biggest threat. And that is the biggest risk that we get into when we talk about Joe Biden. And you saw that video before. think when you were sitting in the green room where he's just, you know, China knows what's going on right now. They know how weak we are. They don't want Donald Trump to be president. And so everything you talk about, they're going to double down. And the establishment, and I say the establishment because it's not just the left, the establishment doesn't want Trump to be president either. They thought they got rid of him. I mean, they indicted him 2,472 times in every state. I'm I'm exaggerating, guys. This isn't breaking news. Um, But they're going to double down too, and knowing that that many people hate Trump, they'll go along with it. And what does that do for our national security? Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. And then I'm going to take a quick break to give Beard Vet some love. Uh, but I'm interested to get your thoughts. Go ahead.
0: No, you're you're so right. And with the kind of Hollywood critique, the the control and coercion that the Chinese Communist Party exerts, it's not just contained to Hollywood. I'm sitting in L. A. right now, but. What, if we want to get really nerdy, Article 7 of China's national intelligence law stipulates that any company, foreign or domestic, that's operating doing business in China uh, is required to be able to be requisitioned by the by the Chinese Communist Party at any time—again, these are very vague words—to uh, yeah. fulfill the ends of the state for national security purposes. Now empirically those words have always been exploited and taken advantage of, um, but it shows you um, that these companies doing business in China, um, it's not—they its they always catch it under the euphemistic terms, oh, market access, we want to expand our profits. But I think the, the the other kind of more nefarious side, and it's exactly what what you hit the nail on the head, right? You can sort of tell the quality of, of a candidate or whoever by their enemies. And with Trump, the Chinese Communist Party hates them and the American ruling class hates them, right? And the Chinese Communist Party, which I think is other evidence that they're colluding oftentimes, but the Chinese Communist Party right, like you said, doesn't even allow, you know, Taiwanese flags to be shown in television shows, Right, doesn't allow non-Chinese actors to portray Chinese actors. And when you see these woke corporations here in the United States pushing that sort of subversive messaging that is arguably bad for the United States, whether in terms of declining birth rates or just general cultural degeneracy, if the Chinese Communist Party told them to stop doing that, they would do it because they listen to them when they talk about the Taiwanese flag, when they talk about Chinese actors. But I think that's the point, right? The Chinese Communist Party is super okay with it because they love seeing the decline of the America. They are on the upside of that trade, right? There is an indirect cor- or direct correlation when America declines. The Chinese Communist Party is the prime beneficiary of that. So it's obvious that they don't want, want Trump back in office because they know he was the largest impediment. That United Front Work Department that I was talking about um, in the answer to your last question, Trump actually sanctioned a lot of those groups for forbid United States entities from collaborating with them. And funnily enough, the very same Chinese Communist Party-run entities and organizations that hunter biden was striking multi-million dollar business deals with like cefc china energy it was trump's doj that was prosecuting them for corruption and trying to subvert not just the american political system but countries abroad so it's no secret that they don't want trump in office because he and his advisors the peter navarros of the world and even steve and who are very hawkish on China understand that if you really want to get to the globalist economic model, the kind of American ruling class here, I've always said it, their original sin outsourcing to China and partnering with the Chinese Communist Party on their slave labor. So if you really, really, really want to go after the American ruling class, I would really argue that it starts with focusing on the Chinese Communist Party while concurrently focusing on accountability for the Fauci's and Millie's of the world, but really going after that globalist economic model. And it really is only Trump and Peter Navarro and the Steve Bannon school of thought that really can do that because Joe Biden is busy letting Chinese spy balloons and the Chinese Communist Party buy up our farmland. So God only knows what he's doing on, on the economic matters too.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. This is why we got to pay attention to this is why people are so upset that the Hunter Biden thing's being swept under the rug. Uh, China, you know, they are a growing threat, which is why it's essential. I, I look. I say this a lot. Donald Trump needs to be reelected. If if we're, I say reelected, um, if we're going to be um, Re-re. able to push back on re reelected. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Natalie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank uh, you. Again, where can people go and buy? She's so right. Clothing for all of their friends and family, every female in their life, uh, liberal, conservative, anybody who's fashion forward. Forget Lululemon. We have yes. She's So Right. Where can they go and buy all your stuff?
0: It's the perfect Valentine's Day gift, too. You can go to She's So Right co and you can follow us at Shop She's So Right everywhere else.
3: Everybody go get yourself some <laughs> She's So Right clothing and make sure you check out uh, Natalie on War Room. Uh, she, as you can see, she's brilliant. Uh, she's a businesswoman. She knows a lot of stuff. And uh, patriots like Natalie are helping us save America. So everybody go buy some stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to see you later on the uh, David Pollack Show post-show space on Twitter X that I tell you guys about every week. Uh, We're going to continue the conversation. Uh, We'll geek out on China. It'll be a lot of fun. You'll see a lot of people who think they know a lot of stuff from the (laughs) Twitter-verse coming in and commenting. I've never Uh, done a a space,
0: so I'm excited. Yeah, this
3: is going to be a lot of fun. So when you get hooked on spaces, you got to remember, we're the ones who got you hooked, the David Pollack Show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank
0: Thank you you so much for having me, David.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much for being here, and we'll talk real soon. Thank you. We're gonna, guys, we're gonna go and uh, watch a little uh, ad from my good friends uh, from Beard Vet Coffee. And uh, I always tell you guys make sure you go to beardvet.com, get yourself some coffee, go to Beard Vet Tactical, get yourself some ammo, use promo code David, save yourself. 10% in Joe Biden's economy. We all need to save as much money as we can and it doesn't offset inflation, but you know what? It helps. Uh, let's see what a uh, beard vet has to
1: say here. Patriots. Listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard vet coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup, a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talk the talk, And, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet-founded, vet-focused, and beard-operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings.
2: Bold, brave, unbound,
1: brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee, make your mornings great again.
2: ...in all of media right now. um, What I think is great about somebody like Dave Chappelle is as much as cancel culture has sort of been this stifling force on comedy for a few years there are a lot of people that are starting to stand up against it you know it's still out there but you have Netflix standing by Dave Chappelle producing his special they produce Ricky Gervais's special um, you have shows like South Park that go very irreverently against both sides and have their kind of hilarious independent point of view. And I think that's one of the best things about comedy. And what I've always said to people, whether on the, the left or the right, whether they're doing stand-up or producing you know, a movie or sketch comedy or whatever, when you're writing something that's a political joke, always think, is this going to make someone laugh if they disagree with me? Because that's how you tell whether it's a good joke or not. It's it's Is this going to make somebody laugh even if they're not already on my side from the start? Um, and that's what I always aim for. I don't know if I always hit the mark, but I always try to. That's the standard that I kind of put for myself whether I'm writing stand-up or sketch comedy.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, and what's interesting about it is, and, and I hear what you're saying, but I'm wondering if maybe comedy is the bridge and if we can just learn to laugh at each other. Remember when Senator and Live used to be funny?
2: They yeah. used to do... well they still they still have some good stuff i'm, I'm not Sometimes. as anti i, I didn't <laughs> like when they would have the uh the alec baldwin trump kind of beating you over the head with the political mm-hmm. stuff um but they've had some really good episodes this year the nate bergazzi episode has some really good sketches um i mean to, to snl's credit they they had chappelle on to host um you know i i think they're they've still got some some good stuff there but um i think to your point You know when there used to be fewer networks and there wasn't a hundred different streaming choices all of america whether you're on the right or the left they were watching one of three late night shows you know it started out with johnny carson and then it was leno and letterman and then you had conan for a long time and one of the things i loved about working at conan's show and i think why he's one of the most brilliant just comedy minds and writers and performers of this generation is his stuff was just funny it wasn't you you could watch those shows and for the most part even though now we kind of know some of their political leanings from public comments different hosts have made back then you didn't know whether the person you were watching was a republican or a democrat you didn't really know how they felt about every single issue um and it was just fun for everybody to come together and watch that and laugh together yeah i called that the good old days i agree
3: i didn't i don't want to know what my neighbor's politics are like i I don't care I don't want to know what my neighbor's politics are. And I don't understand why everybody has to be like, well, but at the same time, we also live in a world where unless we're being aware of the what people's politics are, because bias has become a real issue. And you've definitely seen it during COVID, where if you had a doctor that was more left-leaning, they were like, Well, you have to get a vaccine. You have to wear you have to have a vaccine to even be in my practice. I'm not going to give you hydroxychloroquine. I mean, we saw it, you know, where you had to start thinking about your medical advice, um, based on what you perceived the, um, political affiliation of your medical, you're, you know, and it's not just there though. I mean, it's in everything like it, no longer are we able to insulate the profession from, from the politics, same thing in, in, in school and yeah, in everything. Schools it, it's is like, a big one.
2: That's the one that yeah. I worry about the most, because in, in the same way I was saying about uh, comedy shows and late night shows, when I was growing up, I couldn't tell you which of my teachers were Democrats and which were Republicans. Right. Now, the by the time days. I got to college, you could definitely start yeah. to tell. But now it's at every level of the education system. You, you know, it's more left leaning, but there's people pushing back on it. It's like I don't want teachers to be pushing ideology on kids. It's just you know, teach yeah. the math, and that's you know. But and that's why though
3: we have to be, I think, more. And that's why when I say the good old days of we didn't worry about politics, that's sort of, that's the issue is, if we try to bury our heads in the sand while they're have an agenda. Yeah. That is the big issue. And it's almost like now we have no choice in conservatives, especially for the longest time. Conservatives are not the ones to be like, here are my politics. Conservatives are usually ones to just keep their mouths shut. They call it the silent majority for yeah. a reason. Um, and then they say, you know, the silent majority is silent, no more. <laughs> but uh, that I think goes to the whole heart of everything. I think for the longest time, people were sick of having other people's politics pushed down their throat. And then they had to the negative consequences of like, you know what? I'm pushing back. Um, and you, you did see it creeping into comedy. I'm optimistic that we're getting to a point now though. And I do think tangent, tangent, t- t- I'm being tangential. It's what I do. My AD Dave starts going on here. Um, I think Saturday Night Live is funnier now because they don't hate Biden as much as they hated Trump. All of their comedy when Trump was president was hateful comedy. Same thing with Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel was a funny dude. But when yeah. he talked about Trump, the hate made him not funny because he wasn't making jokes. He was making fun. And there's a difference. There's a difference when somebody is like, when you're, when you're, you know, and I, I joke about, uh, you know, like these roasts, a the difference between making fun of somebody and then being ugly, you know what I'm saying? Like making, like pointing a joke, like, oh yeah, you know, um, uh, I'm not, I'm going to butcher this, but, but anyway, the point is, it's one thing to like point out something and, and then like give your friend a hard time and elbow them in the ribs kind of a deal versus be like, you know what, bro, you're just ugly. And you're like, that's not even funny. Oh, it's funny to me but that was the issue with comedy it was like it was so hateful they couldn't be funny and i'm ho- i'm wondering if now you're seeing that there's not as much hate, and humor is coming back. And I and, I, and again, I, I think that's uh, the the point of the left is they want to make sure we keep hating each other because hate will keep us blinded that we actually are more united than we see, and we're starting to see that more and more. But what, what's your take on that?
2: Yeah, um, I, I think I think it's a, there's a lot of good points there, um, especially in terms of comparing it to the roast. The thing is with the roast is everyone goes there knowing what they're signing up for. It's like I'm yeah. going to make fun of the other people on this dais; they're going to make fun of me that's what we're, we're all we're all in on the joke in a way um yeah in terms of, of mainstream comedy i think it was very hateful for a long time and i think that you know where, where i think it's very hard is well, one of my favorite uh theories about comedy it's called the benign, benign violation theory which means what makes something funny is if you you have to violate some rule or some expectation but in a way that's ultimately benign that doesn't do any real harm And when you're trying to make a point, when you're trying to destroy the other side, it becomes where you're not just being benign, you're trying to damage someone. Now, yeah. there are mean spirited jokes. I, I am even a little cautious about drawing a line there because I think you can make pointed and mean spirited jokes. I think where the left weaponizes this on two fronts. First, they are very hateful, they have genuine hatred for the other side. And that comes across, I think, in a lot of their art and their performance and comedy. And the other thing that they try to do is they try to portray any comedy from the other side. You know, the way they attack Dave Chappelle is they say he's punching down. They say their targets are off limits, that they can say basically every mean thing that they want about Trump supporters, about white people, about Christians, about any group that they disagree with. They can say the most mean spirited, pointed, derogatory thing. But if you go after their sacred cows, they present as you're doing something wrong. No, you're punching down. That's not what comedy is supposed to do. But it's arbitrary it's just their subjective opinions on what you're allowed to make fun of and what you're not allowed to make fun of. And I think that was a lot of the origins of cancel culture, is that these big media companies and these networks became afraid to air anything that the left would be offended by. Because they know they'd come after them and try to try to censor them or end them, basically.
3: Yeah, I, and speaking of cancel culture, I do think um, it is started, it got to a point where it started to backfire. Um, because it it got a little ridiculous. I mean, everybody realizes that where the line is, but at the same time, I think everything the left does, I think they take it too far. And I think they they start to get on a tractor like, oh, okay, this is working. And then they get to a point where they're like, oh, this is working, let's keep going. And it's like, and that's where the cancel culture thing came. And it got to the point where people were like, "This is ridiculous." And I, and I think they just lost uh, their way. And and I, I agree with you. I, I I'm I do think comedy is becoming more tolerant. To- comedy is becoming more tolerant. <laughs> yeah, not so much the networks, but you see this with Disney too, though, because there was a period of time, uh, you know, when they were blinded by hate, where they're like we're going to make every one of our movies inc- include every you know you use the word woke, and I don't want to oversimplify woke, but but when I say woke, the audience knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. The thing is, every movie was like, well, let's include these people. I, I, the worst example of this was, uh, gosh, what was it called? What was that Marvel movie where there was a bunch of aliens from space and there was like a god that grew out of Earth? Uh, and, and it was like, uh,
2: what was that called? I don't know. I, I tuned out of the Marvel movies a while ago. Ah, well, anyway. I'm lost. Was,
3: anyway, so I... all the different actors, right? So they had like, they were all had like these superpowers because they're like super aliens. But one of them was like there was like a deaf alien, there was like a gay couple aliens, there was like all these different, and like they just try to include it all, almost like the Kamala Harris of uh, of Marvel, you know, where they're like oh we got all boxes. Wait, there was system. there was a gay couple aliens. Well, they're not they were, they, technically they're aliens, yeah, because they were born oh. on another planet and they were sent to Earth. So they, they have the two name? genders
2: also. They have exactly two genres. Oh, I'm the sure there was world. a... Oh,
3: there was a gender one. God. Was the there? People were texting me. It wasn't... No, it wasn't... Some People were texting me. It wasn't Love and Thunder. What was that movie with all the different... There was like 17 of them, and they all had superpowers, and they were sent to Earth to protect them. Somebody needs to message me this. Hmm. Anyway, no, but like... And then they had like a young... Uh, no. So he said, Guardian the Galaxy. They're not getting it. Um... <laughs> Comments are bad. When you're live streaming and people are like sending you stuff. No, anyway, so there was one, there was like a child. She was like a perpetual child, but she was like a hundred years old because remember they've been on earth forever.
2: Uh, Or she's like a thousand years old. I feel like a perpetual child would be a good representation of the left. That's.
3: Well, yes. So one of these characters was a perpetual child. Eternals. 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 Okay. Yeah. So one of these characters was like a perpetual child. She's like a thousand years old. She never grew past a child, but she had a crush on this older man. And they had like a weird relationship in the movie. I'm telling you, they went through every single thing that they could possibly cram into a movie. And it was the epitome of terrible. I I haven't seen it yet, but the Marvels, I think, I heard was even worse, the epitome of terrible. But I think even Disney now is starting to realize that we've pushed this um, a little bit too far. And people are rejecting it. And I think comedy is going the same way. It's the long roundabout way of me getting to the point that you were making is that I think people are like, wait a second, we can't laugh at some of this stuff. We don't need to be so offended by everything. And the, and I think the key is too, and you saw this at The Roast, where even like comedy about homosexuality would be off limits a year ago. At The Roast, you know, Brandon and Strzok's sexuality was, was for everybody to laugh, you know, to discuss. But I think once minority, you know, once people are in the minority, whether it be a sexual minority or a, a, a racial minority, once they start saying, no, this is funny, I, I think this is funny, it kind of disarms the left, you know, and and, and it kind of like, well, if you guys think this is funny, who are we to say? It's always like some li- liberal white woman who has no black friends that tells you what's racist, you know, kind of a thing. And it was like and I think once people are like, no, we think this is funny. I think that's what really where the wall started breaking down. And I think you're seeing that politically, too. In every community, I think you're starting to see people like you're not you're mischaracterizing our interpret. You don't speak for us. We, you know, uh, what, yeah. do you, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I, I think that's all very true. And I think where it also- I love when you started, say what I say is right and true. Yeah, well, and I, I, do voice, think, I do think- I love yeah. it all.
2: It's great. I'll let you know when I disagree. I told uh, you I still like SNL. Yeah, we yeah. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think another area where, you know, the, the sort of um, stifling impact of of cancel culture, it did turn a lot of comedians who would not traditionally be on the right and maybe even now aren't on the right- but there are a lot of artists and performers out there who don't want that sort of restriction on free speech, regardless of of which side it's coming from. Yeah. So I think some of the pushback came from that. And then both in in comedy and art and in the culture at large, where all of this identity politics and victim culture stuff led was to the left eating their own. And I think that kind of blew up in their face, too, where you have – you know uh, the intersectionality arguments of no my groups more oppressed no m- no we can punch down at you but you can't say this no that right. movie represented this but it didn't represent this and you even see that now with all the um you know Israel and Palestinian stuff where the left is trying to you know they they see them both as victimized groups and they can't pick who to side with and they're biting their tongues and they're they don't know you know they can't make any absolute statements about right or wrong because they're trying to pander to every, what they see as victim groups and these structures of oppression in every aspect of society. And eventually that just breaks down and and everybody winds up fighting everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah and I, I, I see that. And, and it is sort of starting to backfire. All of this is starting to backfire
3: because you're right. People are like, they try to create these victims. So they have, they try to create the problems so the problems can solve, uh, so they can solve the problems. But people are sick of them creating the problems. And you're even seeing like Chicago residents, Democrats in Chicago are Mm -hmm. like, you guys are causing problems for us and it needs to be solved. You're seeing it at the border. You're seeing it in everything. It's like, stop, we don't want to be victims anymore. And I I think you're starting to see people become more empowered. Uh, Where can people come and see your comedy if they want to laugh? Um, I'm, yes. I'm telling you guys this, he is legitimately hilarious. Like I'm one of those guys that sits at a comedy show, you know, I'm, I'm like a girl, uh, that's been in a relationship a while. And I'm like, you better work for this, you know, uh-huh. uh, when I'm at a comedy show, I'm going to be like, you have to make me laugh. I'm not just going to give you the laughter. You have to earn it. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, and honestly, right out the gate, you earned my laughter. And once I started laughing, I couldn't stop because you're hilarious. So where can people come and laugh?
2: Well, I really appreciate all that. Um, my tour dates are all, always posted on Uh Some of the upcoming dates I have, I'm going to be at the Comedy House in New Orleans on January 20th. Uh, I'm going to be at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase in Michigan, February 8th to 10th. And then uh, February 12th to 15th, I'm going to be hosting at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club in Las Vegas with Dave Landau. Some of you guys might know him from Blaze TV. He's a really great comic as well. Um, you can see all my other dates on AdamYenser.com. Um, I have a YouTube show on my YouTube channel under my name, Adam Yenser. It's called The Canceled News. I do kind of a right-leaning weekend update where I'm doing kind of topical jokes about the news. Um, and check out my Drybar special, like you mentioned, Adam Yenser, Not Big Enough to Cancel on Drybar and on YouTube.
3: Yeah, guys, go check him out. Thank you so much for being on the show. Now, we're hey, going to have our post-show
2: space here soon, and you're going to come and join us, right?
3: Yeah, I'll come and join you guys. Yep. Yeah, so if you guys want to talk to Adam, come on to the, go to the At The Pollock Show, which is my Twitter handle. You can jump onto the uh, Twitter space, and you can continue the conversation there. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, it was a great conversation. Thank you, David. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, guys, that's it. We are out of time today uh, for the very first David Pollock Show in a brand-new location, in a brand-new studio, and brand-new everything. Shiny new car stuff, uh, new cars without the new car smell. Um, but join us next week, same time, same place. Don't forget, by the way, if you want to go to mypillow.com forward slash Pollock, you can save yourself up to 80% across their product lines. I love the pillows. I sleep like a baby, and you need a good MyPillow so you don't get woke. So go use promo code Pollock at mypillow.com or mypillow.com slash Pollock and start saving today. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you same time, same place next week. Good night.